Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Reversing Climate Change podcast by the team at Nori, the carbon removal marketplace. This is a show about the innovators and entrepreneurs developing solutions to climate change. Hello and welcome to the Reversing Climate Change podcast with Nori. I'm Ross Kenyon. I'm one of the co-founders of Nori, which is a, what what exactly do we, we're carbon removal marketplace in Seattle, Washington. (laughs) We have a, a guest from Washington. Oh my God, we're about to break the fourth wall for someone who's been listening for so, so, so long. Was this the, the very first carbon removal thing ever in your life? I'm pretty sure. Anyways, Siobhan, introduce our guest. I'm so happy <laughs> that we finally are doing this. <laughs> hey, everybody. Today we have with us Jason Grillo, who is the Director of Partnerships and Operations at Air Miners, a organization that is near and dear to our heart. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. It is, uh, as, as you said, Russ, just kind of coming full circle to a podcast that was, you know, tracking back about four years ago was really important for me understanding carbon removal to begin with. I, I love that. It's it's so nice. To, every time I, I talk to you and it comes up, I'm always just like, wow, because podcasting, you never know. You're just sort of talking, you release it to the internet, unless someone tells you you have numbers that are disembodied and who knows like, what good it's doing. And someone's <laughs> like, hey, I got really into carbon removal, at least partially due to your work. I'm just like, yes. Vic- and now you're like, you're like a pillar. There's like not that many no, people that no I, I like associate no as strongly kidding. with carbon removal. I, I'm, I'm tell a- us the story. Tell us the story because not to like be too congratulatory to the show, but tell us the story of how you got into air mining and how you got, how you found air miners. Because I <laughs> how think... I found air miners. Oh, that, <laughs> yeah. that it's, it is, it is, it is, it is quite interesting. So um, let's see. So I actually spent most of my career in biotech, biofarm and healthcare with a stint in clean tech 1.0. And that time was pretty much in solar, but uh went to clean tech stuff, like I said, 2009, 10, 11, and then you know, back into healthcare again from during kind of this, uh, this uh, nuclear winter-ish type uh, time for the clean tech industry, during which time it morphed into climate tech. And then like around when the, 2000... When the first, first bubble burst, like... Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Oh, okay. So... Uh, you know, professional in marketing, market research in particular. And then I you know, struck out and did my own LLC to do marketing projects for climate tech and solar companies starting in uh, renewable energy companies rather in 2019. And then I, I just learned about carbon removal partly through your podcast and learned yeah. about air miners because I think you interviewed Tito at one point. I thought, oh, wow, what a, what a cool community. Was that when and, you were doing the, the bracelet? Was that like yes, that yes? Was, yeah. I remember that, the bracelet is an important part of the story, actually, because I wound up buying a bracelet on Tito's Kickstarter or funding his uh, his operations through Kickstarter, and then I went to apply to Air Miners, and one of the things that we still ask on the forum is, "What's your?" interest in carbon removal and ask you one of several categories you're in. And I didn't have any experience in carbon removal. And I said, well, 
Let's see. Are you and one of the items is funder or investor? Wait a minute. I funded Tito's carbon removal startup. I am therefore a funder. QED. And so like salivating at this application, being like, ah, oh, here comes money bags over here. And it's just it's just you. <laughs> and that's how I got into air miners in the fall of 2019. And then shortly after that, Tito put out a call to have people ask about what uh would the community want to have as its next step in the process and i feel helped with uh, with tito and, and grant Faber actually field the first air miners user survey in january of 2020 uh, note right before the pandemic uh loveliness started uh, and then at that point what bubbled up again prior to pandemic was hey let's do virtual meetings because it's such a widely geographically disparate group of people and also uh, makes more sense from just a carbon neutrality standpoint, carbon negativity standpoint, I should say. Yeah. And uh, so we set on doing a conference in May of 2020, just as we were heading into lockdown. And that's how I uh, got into carbon removal and how I started to do the event series and things have kind of grown from there. Asking how you got into carbon removal very much sounds like how I spent my summer vacation as a as a prompt, Siobhan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was really going for the juicy, like, well, this show changed my life because after hearing Tito, all the balls started rolling. Well, it did, is, it did, it did, it did kind of because I thought that, okay, great. There's a community of people who specifically do this. And it's such an early stage of developing an industry that I could have an effect there. I mean, way back, again, I'm going to put on my, you know, way back when, back in the fall of 2019, Air was only 400 people in the Slack community. I remember wow. it's it was true, man. It, it, it is. It is. And, we, and now we're, okay, and, and now we're over 2,200. Uh, and yeah. uh, so it's grown quite a bit. And you guys and, curate that too. Like, it's not just like you get in, like you have to apply for this. It's, it's, you have to demonstrate uh, yeah. some sustained interest, I think, right? And now we have the boot up plug for boot up, bootup.airminers.org, bootup.airminers.org. For those who are interested in getting involved in carbon removal, don't know too much about the industry and want to have that nice entry point. And that's, I guess, part of the culture that we want to develop as well, that uh, to have that place where people can have a start in carbon removal, even if they don't know anything about the principles of carbon removal methods, the underpinnings and where they see a place for themselves in the industry, which is still, I mean, yeah, great to see the growth of the last three or four years here, but still very much in its early stages. And if you're just starting out and you're listening to this show, you clearly care about carbon removal boot up. I mean, we, we ask new nori knots to go to it assuming they're willing to uh because it is such, it's like it's a it's a great onboarding experience oh by the way siobhan montoya lavender of thanks a ton and also <laughs> oh, a long-term air miner sorry yeah. long-term air miner i think i was 600 people when i joined wow yes like and we also yes. have a bunch of interns that come through thanks a ton i think we're on like intern 18 or something and nice. we tell them that they can bill intern hours to go to boot up if they want to learn about no kidding. Uh, no that's cool. awesome. Thank you for that. And thank you for thanks a ton as well, <laughs> uh, which we, we use quite frequently too. Yes, thank you. Uh, You're as, our biggest supporters. Uh, as, as, as gratitude for people who help out with uh, things to in our ideas, needs, and leads and in other pursuits that we're engaging in. Well, I mean, that ties in really nicely to what we wanted to talk about here, because you're one of the people I know who uh, cares a lot about culture, cares a lot yes. about community, 
Um, Siobhan and I both, I mean, we're like communications weirdos here. It's like, we, we think it's important to do you do. You're also the only person who's ever gotten my cultural victory civilization reference with regard yes. to I do what I do. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I, I, well, I go back to Peter Drucker's old phrase that, uh, that, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Oh, hmm. uh, you know, Peter Drucker's a management guru from, uh, quite a long time ago whose yeah. whose insights are still extraordinarily prescient and 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 uh, and, and useful for um, you know my management ethos where again the purpose of any business is to create a customer hey um but yeah thinking about you know culture people don't leave or you know the other phrase that comes to mind people don't leave organizations they leave cultures you know i'm, I'm i don't like the way things are happening here and we want to craft the community so that it's accepting of others so that it's inclusive so that we include so that we have a way of getting to people who are in different geographies in different you know different methods of carbon removal from all sorts of different backgrounds and to have again to have that entry point to have it be inc inclusive and permeable you know the industry needs this we don't need to you know we, we don't want to like shove people away like, no you can't you know you, you don't have the workers at five years of carbon removal experience you know Pro tip: No one does, or virtually no one. Does. <laughs> I have six um, years, damn it. Six years. Yes, I would virtually no one does. Yeah, I mean, I could probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, most people are extraordinarily new, which means, which is exciting because it means that there are all sorts of new ideas that we can cultivate yeah. in the in 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 the in the community and make sure that they have a place and to grow and develop. I mean. Geez, I'm, I'm just thinking back to like, you know, it wasn't even, two, you know, two years ago when you know, we, we had our uh, biomass burial event and now biomass burial has a methodology on Puro. Yeah. You know, uh, that it, it can happen that quickly. Um, you know, I, th I think about you, you had Octavia Carbon on and, you know, Octavia was, you know, you know plug here, a launchpad team uh, as was Sela. And they met in Launchpad and they were, they met together in Launchpad maybe at like 18 months ago. Again, recording this in August of 2023, but yeah, it was like 18 months ago or something when they were in Launchpad together. And now they're, you know, going in a partnership for Project Hummingbird, which is just fantastic. So again, it's, it's those kinds of connections that we really, really want to foster in in air miners that's that's why we do what we do um that it's a small enough space that people can truly know each other not just know of each other if the semantic difference makes sense it sounds so small i've seen recently at, at ted countdown i saw jonathan foley talk about how carbon removal gets too much attention and too much funding and then you say something like the premier carbon removal community has 2200 members and like <laughs> and then there's open air collective too so a couple thousand on top of that so yeah, there's like several yeah. thousand people and if you compare the amount of money that goes towards decarbonization other types of climate tech versus carbon removal it's like nothing um yeah i mean uh, i mean, cul I, mean it, it, I, I think culturally just captures the imagination in a the, the th true. thought of it owns I mean, more what, mind what share I, than it deserves to in some cases maybe yeah well i mean going back to maybe like four years ago when I started, you know, three, three and a half, four years ago when I started here is that you're using a pollutant as a resource. Yeah. And that is so to, to me, I, I just find, I, I just am continually amazed at how ingenious that, that framing is 
that was in place when I that I latched onto when I first started to learn about carbon removal. Taking something that is a you know considered an externality, a bad thing, and you're crafting it into a, a credit that can have economic benefit or that confers economic benefit or a, or a product in the case of you know CO two that goes into uh, consumer goods or industrial you know uh, industrial products. Yeah, yeah I'm curious, Jason. I mm -hmm. I feel like this is gonna be hard for me not to have a huge air miners love fest on this show because I love <laughs> that's it. That's fine. So go, go for it. <laughs> um, but I think it would be disingenuous for me to pretend that I don't. Um, and I think is this your first time building a community, you and Tito? Because I have to say, we're building a community, which I'm part of various climate communities. I think we all are. And I sometimes think there's a lot of like pizzazz on the exterior, but you get inside and it's kind of dead and there's not a lot happening or there's not a lot of earnest connections being made. Yeah. That's not the case at Airminers. Airminers, I feel like is 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 flourishing to a certain degree. I'm sure there's struggles that I want to hear about. Yeah. But I also feel like everybody I send to Airminers or I meet through Airminers loves Airminers and loves you, to be honest. They say, well, you know, they're just so welcoming. Jason and Tito always are like, so genuine and kind and helpful. So yeah. how did you, how did you get into planning a community? Do you have a background in this at all? <laughs> we, well, we drew up every single step of the way uh, from the very get-go with detailed precision that we followed in lockstep. No, no, no. There's been a, you're snickering. Uh, and there's a good reason to, because there's a lot of pivoting that happened along the way. Um, I would say, I mean, for Tito, he had his experience at running the BioCurious community in uh in northern california all, all in... organizations should be pun based by the way and so yes oh yeah well well like it's well you know, again happiness is a worn pun yeah <laughs> as they say it's a feature well, not a bug but can't allow it's you a feature not a bug like okay okay <laughs> all right back to the thread here um, yeah so 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 tito has experience from you know working in uh, in, in biotech in his own DIY, you know, biotech community. And for me, I actually have the origin in the biopharma community as well, only a, a shade earlier, you know, but back in the late 90s and early 2000s, I was working in biotech in Boston. And the, the it just seems like everybody kind of knew everybody else. There, there were three or four major, you know, biopharmaceutical companies in the Kendall Square area of Cambridge, Massachusetts. And you know they're they're in this they're in line of sight of each other. If you if you're if you are familiar with that place and just walk around, you can see these you know major biotech firm, another major biotech firm, another major biotech firm. They've got lab space, they've got office buildings, and you know like if someone is a director at some company and they go on to become vice president of a smaller company and then and then build it. So there's kind of these trees from like three or four seminal uh, biopharmaceutical companies in 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 the area, and it just seemed like. Everyone could develop a reputation. You could develop a good reputation of, of working with someone, for someone, under someone, and that kind of carried forward into my thinking about my own thinking about uh, how to how to build a community. That it's uh, carbon rule is certainly small enough that uh, people just know each other. You know, ex ex extraordinarily well. Twenty two hundred people. Yes, it's growing, but you know, it's, uh, it's still small enough that you can't have an effect. You know, I've talked to someone recently that about uh, what we uh, what we do in Aaron because at, at the end of the day, it's it's about hope, and 
you know, so much of the, uh, we find that a lot of the climate discourse is, uh, it, you know, is, you know, talks about, you know, kind of doomerism here, the, you know, we're in trouble. I mean, not saying we're not in trouble, you know, newsflash, we kind of are. That said, the ability to choose how we re react to it is something that we wanted to give to people in the community, like to have people feel like they have agency is a great way of alleviating that climate anxiety. Peter Olivier had a tweet about this maybe a, a week or so ago that 80% of climate anxiety disappears when you start actually working in climate. Doesn't always disappear, not all the way. But we wanted to build a community that, uh, that where, where people can have a voice. And that's why we built stuff like Buddha, like like Launchpad. By the way, uh, speaking of Launchpad, applications due August 11th, August 11th, August 11th for uh, for uh, for Launchpad. What what is Launchpad for those, for those listening? Okay. You don't know? Yeah, and then we'll get back. To yeah, it. so yeah, Launchpad is our accelerator program uh, for teams who are uh, on the early stage of their journey in carbon removal, for, so that people can uh, you know grow and develop their uh, launch their their early stage company. We'll work with them for six weeks over the course of a uh, over, over, over the course of the program, and then uh, have the teams graduate, and then get to uh, two one of you know two investor day uh, two uh, demo days rather one for investors, the other one for cover removal credit buyers, and you get one shot at each of them, guaranteed. You don't have to go immediately, but you're always guaranteed one shot at each, and uh, program's free. To participate in and, and how many just, teams have you had so far we've graduated 95 teams so far over the course of two that's years wild that's and, wild and yeah i mean in, in terms of culture like again getting you know launchpad is kind of the crystallization of the culture of air miners and we, we want to have this collaborative light fun and breezy thing going um we want to have people able to interact with each other that's why we have them buddy up with another team and just learn about what that other team is doing, you know, and that carries forward to stuff we like to do in in, in the main community as well. Um, you know, that's why we designed Ideas, Needs, and Leads, uh, our new program, uh, where people can talk about a particular topic, bring an idea that they have in mind, uh, share what they need to have that idea, get to uh, the next step, and then hopefully other people on that meeting will have a lead to share with them. How uh, important is goofiness to air miners? Is that just you and Tita? Adina, I don't, I don't know well enough at this point. I want to. I would like to know yeah. Adina well enough to see the goofiness. I don't think I've seen it yet. But yeah, like, yeah. Is that just the mix of us or is that part of air miners? No, it's part of air miners. Okay. I mean, like I said, the, the, the puns are a feature, not a bug. But yeah. no, I mean, look, we, we deliberately want to keep it light, fun, and breezy. Uh, as, as I said before, I mean, because otherwise the the anxiety about climate can just weigh things down and I mean, it's a we, monumental task what we're trying to do at not saying, is a yeah. monumental task. yeah 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 i mean look we want to remove a billion tons of co2 and it's or its equivalent from the atmosphere by the end of 2030 that's a lot as we, as we say i mean that if we emit 40 billion tons into the atmosphere every year you know, a billion tons goes up every nine days. And we want to have that cumulative billion tons removed by the end of 2030. And even that's a lot, but that's going to be the most difficult billion tons. The best antidote to just feeling so fraught about that is to just chill out about it, is to chill out. I, I mean, 
and go and understand that this is this can be daunting but you know what we're gonna we're gonna choose how we react to that challenge and you know and you know be damned we're gonna do it uh and my personal view is i think we're gonna get there sooner than anyone ever thinks i really do it's nice to hear that because this summer has been discouraging and then i think by the time this airs the jeff goodall show that i just did on the heat will kill you first will be out and that that bug is not optimistic good timing for jeff though i mean this summer has been nuts yeah um so i think the reality of climate change is starting to uh be apparent even to people who may not have intellectually realized it they can see it in their bodies and and their direct environment now yeah, I, and you know certainly we, wildfires where, where where Ross, you and I live in Washington State is a is reality has been reality for years. It's terrible. Uh, same, same same with Oregon and California. Now we're seeing wildfire smoke affect. You know, checking notes here: uh, the East Coast, Boston, New York, Washington D.C. Uh, you know, the Midwest: Detroit, Chicago, Indiana. You know, the the unusual it's, the Middle East. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. On the other hand you know, that can motivate action. And we're seeing, you know, so I do some side work with the Open Air Collective and we are seeing, you know, greater interest in state level policies for carbon removal in particular and climate more generally. So, you know, uh, you have a perturbation to a system, you see a reaction to it. And the reaction is we're gonna roll up our sleeves and do something. And that's really the ethos we wanna infuse into air miners. What's the relationship between air miners and open air collective? Because they're they're peer organizations. Yeah. The distinction is is maybe harder to pin down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say we're we are focused more on you know particular startup teams and getting them off the ground and, and moving. Open air collective has you know kind of distinct missions in mind. One is the DIY DAC system, the CYAN system, C-Y-A-N system in particular, and also policy advocacy at the uh, at the local, state, and national level. Air Miners doesn't play so much in that area, nor do we have our own, you know, collective technology that we're building as a community. Instead, we see the connections that people foster among themselves as the product that we put out there. Huge overlap, though, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he, he said there's like, you know, uh, 2,000, 2,200 people in air miners, you know, a couple thousand people open air collective. Newsflash, there's a lot of overlap between those two. <laughs> surprise, oh, wow. surprise. I didn't even consider that possible. So the number is even smaller. It's even a smaller <laughs> group of carbon removal people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What, what an obvious thing to overlook. And uh, wow. Okay, so it's even less less of us dominating the climate story, like bad. dominating the story. Yeah, <laughs> but like I said, I, I, I think it, it again it captures the imagination. Again, carbon removal can capture the imagination because it's a way of turning the narrative on its head. Yeah, yeah as opposed to like making incremental changes in the cost curve of renewables. Over like yeah, electrifying the grid, electrifying. Yeah, there's yeah. a little less sexy stories. Well, actually, it depends on who you talk to. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I would say that I'm amazed that like the solar cost curves now are. I think we're like 30 years ahead of where That's people anticipated crazy. we would be only like six or seven years ago. Yeah. And I part of the reason my for my statement earlier about how we're going to get there sooner than people think in carbon removal is owing to 
efficiencies of scale uh, as we deploy based on you know, curves like that. You know, Greg Nemet at University, University of Wisconsin has done some amazing work on this. But what I see is that like we've only really scratched the surface of what carbon removal could be, what the industry could be. And yeah, I, I see a way of, of expanding it and opening it. I'm not, I'm not dissing it just for the record, just that for the average person who's maybe not already into climate change, um, thinking like, well, we could reverse climate change versus we're going to like adapt and also slow it down. Like one of those stories is better than the other two. And it's definitely that we can reverse it. It's optimistic. Like the optimism built in there is like really powerful. And that's what, to be honest, that's coming full circle you know, to what you started off the with. That's what drew me to the podcast. Like, wow, we can reverse this. No kidding. Oh, and I can have, and you know, you as a person, as an individual can have a hand in that at a very early stage. Well, yes, you can. Okay, let's do this. It's not even yeah. that hard to get involved at this point either. Like there's not that, like there's a lot of interest, uh, VC funding, there's corporate interest in these things. There seems like the Kiloton fund, like you guys are doing, there's more opportunities than there's ever been, but it's also not so like, if I wanted to break into AI at this point, I'd be like, oh God, I'm, I'm way behind. I just, I can't do it. <laughs> you could, there's like enough openings for all sorts of different career types within carbon removal. So like it feels open and accessible to me in a way that many other nascent yes. fields do not. You agree? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And that's again, part of the culture that we want to build that that there's ways of people getting into the field that again we we owe it to the industry to 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 make to make it easy for people to get that again boot up in particular to have that to have that grounding of 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 knowledge before they start to uh, yeah, start to embark yeah 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 critical and I also think you definitely put out there at Air Miners that you like Air Miners has an ethos of we want you here, like please come, you know, like, yes. and I think that's not true of every communities, whether Slack community or in real life communities. And for example, I really got into Air Miners. I'd heard of Air Miners because I knew Tito personally. Right. But then Tito put out a call on his newsletter, which I happen to have been subscribed to, <laughs> or I'm still subscribed to, and said, Hey, we have a we have a gender problem. And like, we want to fix it. And he wasn't yes. like, I have all the answers or I know what I'm gonna do about this, but he said, I recognize there's a problem. Do, do people want to help me fix this? And myself, and I know Anjali Underwood and some other women reached out and were like, "Yep, yeah, we could we could help with that." Yep. Um, and that's one example. But then I think you know, there's other examples where it's like, well, we need you know to focus on environmental justice. Mm -hmm. and does somebody want to help with that? And people just kind of step forward. And so I do think there's this proactiveness at Air Miners, mm -hmm. saying yep. like, we want you to be here, and we recognize that it's imperfect, and we're not you know, we're not saying everything's figured out, come help us figure it out, which I think is really powerful as, a, as, yeah. an, as an invite to people. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, look, we're also open to, as you mentioned, Siobhan, starting new channels, like the Women Plus Air Miners channel, the Environmental Justice channel. We started a methane channel, uh, again, because we're air miners, not carbon miners, mind you. So, yeah. you know, the, <laughs> uh, so there are, all sorts of ways. If you feel like there's something that's underrepresented in the in in the atmospheric greenhouse gas removal discourse, uh, we want to we want to hear about it. And you know, plus one to your statement. Look, look, gender diversity is something that we want to work on and have an effect on because again, there's numerous studies out there. I think McKinsey did a study, you know, not too long ago that 
um, more teams with more diverse backgrounds have better outcomes. Yeah. And, and I think you see that at the mm-hmm. launch pad though. I think you have a pretty mm-hmm. geographically disparate bunch of teams. And I would say that, you know, again, not perfect, but every time there is an imperfection, I think the energy is like, okay, let's solve it then. Let's, let's come together and fix it as opposed to being like, well, you know, that's not really a problem or we, you know, we'll deal with that later. It's kind of like, no, let's deal with this now. Come, come here, all hands on deck. Let's do this. And I, I like yeah. that energy a lot. And it, it, it invites a lot of people in. Yeah. 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 I mean, really time's the one non-renewable resource that we have. And so the quicker we can get to solving these problems, the better. And that's why we, to your point, I mean, we have a geographically diverse set of teams in Launchpad from India, from Brazil, from, uh, you know, from, from, uh, from Europe. I mean, that, and that's just enhanced rock weathering companies. You know, we've seen biochar all over the all over the planet from Latin America, hey, Latin America, uh, in, in Africa, in Sri Lanka, in, you know, in, in North America, Europe, it, uh, and direct air capture companies. I mean, all the different methods of carbon removal are well re- represented. All different geographies are well represented. I mean, we even had a team, you know, we've graduated a team from New Zealand, a team from Australia who got up at some ungodly hour oh, in the morning. Oh, poor, poor people. I know. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we hold the for those listening, we hold the sessions at nine in the morning U.S. Pacific time. So you can so you can do the math as to when that would be for certain people in certain areas of the world. But you know, people come and do it, and people do. People thank- show up, and we're and we're thankful for it. It must be the music I, that we play at the start. I, at least I like to think definitely that. I really like Jason's your... a great DJ, people. Jason's yeah, a great DJ, I've... and, well, and surprising well, too. Like he drops surprises in there. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, like, some of them are obvious. Like uh, when when we did ocean alkalinity enhancement, we you know let in with uh, Megan Trainer all about the base. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so all bad. about the <laughs> base. Alkalinity. Yeah, yeah. You know, with, uh, <laughs> with 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 the MRV for. Uh, first for seaweed sinking we said you know i like to we had an octopus's garden by the beetles i like to be under the sea i think it's about time to start wrapping this up what do you think <laughs> have we gone off the deep end no it's okay um but well, 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 again, also appropriate for an ocean <laughs> for ocean stuff to go oh hey unintentional pun I think though but that's coming back to the idea of like air miners being kind of just like a fun lighthearted space like you 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 initiated the memes channel or like Tito and Asa, some combination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. Um, but that, that's like the whole reason we make memes at Thanks a Ton. That was a big memes, start for sure. You know, for yeah. the, for yeah, sure, it, you know, and just like bringing yeah. that levity into this space. Yeah, and it, sh- and it showed up in our, in our Kiloton Fund FAQ event yesterday, which you can see the recording of on our YouTube channel. Hmm. Uh, with, uh, you know, with uh, Timo's, uh, uh, Thomas Morgan's, uh, graphic of diver being eaten by shark or about to be eaten by shark about to be eaten by you know ginormous shark you know with co2 being eaten by kiloton fund being eaten by megaton fund wow he's just sucking so, up real hard huh i think of him as tmo too by the way yeah i know yeah but but look look their memes are important because they it, again they, they show levity they show a uh you know, a willingness to, to accept new ideas that you don't often see elsewhere. And it shows that, you know, we're willing to be vulnerable. We're willing to try new things. We're willing to 
go out there and do something new and interesting, different, despite all the odds, and to dedicate ourselves to that end. Faces without humor are dead, in my opinion. And uh, I think I we're would... a biased audience, Ross, but yes, I'm with you. <laughs> but I, I carry that with me everywhere and I prefer to be having fun and joking and everything can be funny if done in the right kind of spirit I think many or at least many things can be with the right kind of spirit and I feel like that is taking yourself less seriously yes work easier even when the work is really hard and really serious yes at least for me like it's an adaptation strategy that that works yes yes at some level it is a it, it is a bit of a coping mechanism but it, like I said, but it, but it also can get you know creative juices firing in a way that, uh, in in the way that they wouldn't otherwise. You know, right. I mean, let's talk about our it, families of origin now. What was it like for you, and why is humor so important to you, and the way that you grew up, and how your parents treated you or neglected you? <laughs> okay, so should I should I get a couch now so you can so so, so I can sit so yeah, I can light up about line. your mother and other right, other right, right cigar is not a cigar blah 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 okay we've exhausted all of the classics Jason now answer the damn <laughs> question <laughs> so where did I grow up so I, I grew up in, in the uh, state of Massachusetts in the North Shore um, and uh, you know you just... better be getting to some real real stuff here real fast okay let's let's move past <laughs> well I well look I, I I always I always was the was the you know me my, my friends growing up were always the oddballs with like this you know strange like monty python sense of humor and uh and stuff oh, like that but if people have known me even from like first and second grade know that the puns are part of the whole that that, that the sense of humor is part of the whole uh is part of the whole thing it's it's me it's authentically Ooh. genuine what's, and, what's your favorite python though not not just film but like either sketch or joke what's the one that remains with you <sighs> i know it's hard there's so many I grew up watching Flying Circus in the movies too. Siobhan, did you did you like Python? Yeah, yeah, I okay. do. Yeah, man, this, this, it's this, only this, a rabbit. That's a, that's a tough question. <laughs> I didn't I didn't I didn't expect a sort of Spanish Inquisition here. Oh, there you go. I mean, that's that's great for sure. <laughs> well done, well done. Very yeah. smart and very stupid at the same time. Uh, like whenever we talk in Meme Lab, I'm always looking for the combination of the very smart and the very stupid. And when and when a joke hits that, that for me is sub sublime. That's yep. what I mean. Python is like the best at it. They will take a they're 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 all they're all like Oxbridge people, right? Yes. And they're yes. doing very stupid things. Very, very stupid things. That combination. Sorry to go on a rant, but Python. <laughs> yeah. hey, look, it's 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 all it's 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 all it's all good. I even I, I even have a, a rabbit. It's not just <laughs> any ordinary rabbit, mind you. It's got nasty big pointy teeth. So yes. What do you think like I, I the saw vulnerability? What do you think like mm -hmm. the vulnerability aspect is it? I just, when you yeah. talk about carbon removal, it's such a burgeoning industry. Yes. We know a lot, but we know so little. Right. And so I think like coming back to kind of the vulnerability and the humility within carbon mm -hmm. removal is, is pretty crucial. And I think Air Miners does a good job about that. How do you think about approaching like what you know versus what you don't know? And how do you share that with the world? So I would say that we... Don't again. If we approach the community with the thought that look, we know a lot of the other people in the community, but we don't have all the answers ourselves. Mm -hmm. And you know, oftentimes, like I feel questions: Do you know someone who knows about this or that or the other thing? And 
you know, I and you know, if if I know someone who can directly, who's a direct connection for that, sure. But a lot of the time, I I you know, I just don't know the answer. I'm looking you know, if they're looking for something that's a little bit more detailed or or, or obscure. So I'll say, look, you can ask me, or or you can put it in put the it general, in the put it in the general yeah. channel. You can ask one person. You can ask. 2,200 people get 2,200 sets of eyes on this. Mm. And I, th I think the pr one, you know, long-term thing that we are cognizant of is that as the community grows, that it's going to be a little bit more challenging for people to put themselves out there. Totally. Uh, you know, it's easier to have that dynamic when there's only 400 people. It's more difficult when there's five times as many, or six times as many people as, uh, as, when you started, uh, because there's so many different eyeballs on the, on the, on the screen. And we want to, you know, we want to, you know, have people know that this is a safe space. We, ha we have a code of conduct, uh, for instance, that mm -hmm. we share with everybody when they join. Uh, we have a kind of this email drip campaign that goes out that, you know, one week after they join, they get an email, no, two weeks after they join, they get another email, three weeks after they join, they get another email. Uh, with like little nuggets, like here's our member list, here's our code of conduct, here's our, here here's here, here's our where the list of all the channels are, you know that sort of thing. So, getting people into that engaged mindset is crucial at the start. We've uh, you know we we talked to uh, people who are involved in other communities elsewhere when, you know, when we started, you know, maybe it's like three years ago now, when we started to really get in, lean into the community aspect of it. And what was apparent then is that getting people on board and engaged within that first 30 days, or even, you know, or, or, or as soon as you get in, that's important. Yeah. And that's why whenever anyone joins, I always send them a message, hey, you know, hit me up if you want to have a one-on-one, -on -one. you know, here's, you know, Feel free to introduce yourself in in there to, to have that little bit of nudge, that little bit of encouragement, is a way to get people out of their lurking. Yeah. 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 I mean, the the other th yeah, exactly, exactly. The other thing that um, I, I, you, you probably that uh, is quite interesting about the community, I find, is that uh, the vast majority of the traffic in the Slack itself is not public mm. that uh you know so you know really drawing back the veil here is that you know after you know i i went in i go in and every month i look at how many messages were exchanged in slack and then i exclude all the ones between tito and me and deborah and uh deborah gray wolf our operations assistant and uh and and adina and of the non-administrative slack messages something like only 20, 25% of them are public in the, in the public channels. Um, so there's a lot of DMing out there among people. And we want to keep that up because it suggests that there's a lot of activity, a lot of sharing happening in, yeah. and, and we look, all, all, we, all we know is that there's messages happening. We can't, you know, obviously we can't read it, you know, but the, uh, but we we just see the, the the traffic levels of people who are sharing stuff underneath the surface. Kind of makes sense though, because yeah. if I'm in, I'm not going to email somebody who's who's in air miners. I'm just going to DM them, like you right. know. So I think there's a lot of right. that. Yeah, it makes sense. It's 
now that you say that out loud, I'm like, oh yeah, because I do that a lot. I'm DMing people a lot, but maybe not necessarily posting a question, unless it's something that I didn't get via answered via DMs. I'm like, okay, I'll just pose this to the general public, but that's interesting. Yeah. 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 So again, people are, you know, are, are, you know, when we share, especially in a, in a, in a direct messaging, you know, in a direct messaging format, uh, but also the channels, I mean, there's, there's smaller audiences in the channel. So if you're interested in say ocean CDR or DAC or environmental yeah. justice or women plus air minors, you can have that corner of the community of the slack, uh, which is, uh, tailored to that discussion, by the way, uh, you know, when Tito and I think about community, Slack is a tool. Yeah. To be very clear, uh, you know, Slack is one of the many things that we do. Uh, you know, we consider the events to be part of major community activity because it's a convening of people. They, they, by the way, they're not webinars. We don't term them as webinars. They are events, and there's a reason we have them on Zoom meeting instead of Zoom webinar, so that we can engage. I mean, subtle things like that we feel can go can go a long way to improving the feeling of engagement and the ability to have people share their stories with, uh, with, 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 with others. How those meetings change now that you're getting such high volumes, you know, and like, how do you, man- like, I feel like sometimes crowd control can be challenging and the questions and whatnot, <laughs> <laughs> like, you get some characters within the community. Actually, um, how yeah. How does that change for you? Yeah. So it's, so we, We've only noticed real any problems like early on before Zoom improved its security uh, mm-hmm. settings. Wow. So, uh, so to date, yeah, I mean, we will look if if people have back have background noise in the audience, we'll go in and mute them. And but that doesn't happen that often, to be honest. Um, you know, we are happy to see a flourishing chat that goes on in the middle of the. Uh, in in the middle of the presentation, uh, in in the middle of the uh, in the middle of discussions. By the way, there's a reason why we focus on the discussion because the community is there to hear what the people have to say, not necessarily to see slides that are being presented. Uh, pre- presented because that can just turn people off, and you can get slides anywhere. And also, you know, logistically makes for a little bit <laughs> make, make, makes for a little bit of challenge, uh, challenge because people are always going to ask, "Can I see the slides? I want to see the slides. I want to see the slides. Where are the slides?" You know, afterwards. Um, anyway, but yeah, the focus is on the, 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 the focus is on the discussion. We feel like having a lively in, uh, conversation among the panelists and the moderator is what keeps people focused on that rather than just going off into the ether and, you know, you know, having, you know, shall we say bad actors do bad actor things. I just feel like the chat is almost like most conferences the main value is not the presentation but the hallway conversations and i've often had a lot of fun and and it's almost like when you doodle you're more engaged it's not like your teacher is scolding you saying you're not paying attention in some ways that like discussing it real time often helps retain information i would whenever i go to yeah events, yeah. I'm, all, I'm always in the chat too like oh that's an interesting idea oh that's a good point <laughs> yeah 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 again because you're you're not just sitting there listening and processing. You're you're thinking about what you would want to add into the conversation. Like there's there's some statistic out there that we only retain a small fraction of the things that we hear or a small fraction of the things that we see, but the things that we contribute to and the things that we especially teach others about. 
that's where you retain the most memory of uh, a particular topic. It's definitely true. I've listened to thousands of books and sometimes it ends up being like, after thousands of pages being like, wow, Hannah Arendt thinks evil is bad. And you're like, <laughs> like clearly there's more to it than that. I don't know at all. It was great listening, but- There I is just... more to it than that. Don't call me Shirley. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it had to go there. Uh, yeah, but the, the, yeah, I, 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 would, I would agree with that as well. Um, and there's something about, you know, if you want to talk about literary preferences, I mean, there's something about like a work of fiction. Like if you read something in like chapter one or two, you never know if it's going to pop up in like chapter 14 later. Um, you know, whereas you know, we're, you know, look, I'm a history, you know, I have a history degree as, as, as do you, Ross. So, so I've read my share of, you know, certainly my share of nonfiction, but yeah, that where is, whereas in a, in a in history uh, book of, uh, that the narrative just kind of builds from event one to event two to event three to event four. It's it's more of a cumulative thing that you see along the way, arriving at a conclusion at the end. It's funny how history, especially when you when you read it, there the sense of contingency is often lost too. I think we yes. talked about a little bit before, but yes. it's like oh, this obviously led. There's like a one to one relationship of causality here, when actually it's chaos and it's storytelling and historiography has people fighting over how to actually practice history in the first place. Yes. 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 Well, the great thing about history is people are always making more of it. Um, but you know, I, I, but I, I yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you don't know if something's a blip. You don't when you're in it in the moment. You don't know if it's uh, if it's an, an anomaly, if it's the start of a trend, if it's the end of a trend. So, say you the Zhu Enlai quote that everyone always says when this topic comes up. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. What's the impact of the French Revolution? It was asked in the, like what the 1970s, 1980s, and uh, as Zhu Enlai, the, uh, the premier of China, like what's the impact of the French Revolution at that point? He said, "Yeah, it's too soon to tell." Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. cryptic. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a great like kind of gnomic statement to make that everyone's like genius that's such a smart thing to say <laughs> one can only hope to utter such a gnomic excellent statement like that yeah yeah i mean look it, it, it comes up in, in terms of culture as well i mean grant grant favor posed in air minus like a couple years ago like what would be in the what would be in the carbon removal museum based on what we're seeing now um and i yeah i i i I'm curious about Ooh, that's what, a great question. Yeah, it is. It is because you know we are, we are writing kind of this the, the history of an early stage industry as it unfolds. And what one of my it's one of my pet it's one of my side projects for you know at least twenty years from now if, when 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 I'm when I'm, when I'm you know you know doing you know goodness knows what but uh, but I would be interested in putting my undergraduate degree to good use and writing something about the early history of a potentially world-changing industry because i feel like you know the you know the uh, the the, the uh, carbon removal unicorns are being formed now and we have a you know, front row seat to seeing it happen and learning from them and you know maybe imparting that knowledge and insight to future people who might find it useful in their own pursuits how could you even start? Because we don't know. I mean, certainly we have front runners of the of the carbon removal industry that we now think are going to be the future unicorns. But I mean, many a slip between the cup and the lip kind of deal. Like, who knows what's going to happen? Like, it wouldn't be surprised me if right. in like the dark horse now all of a sudden pulls ahead and something that everyone's sure. missing on is like, oh, this is actually the most scalable, cheapest, most just option that we overlooked the entire time. 
Right. Uh, just to say, to say if nothing, uh, well, look, look, I don't think it's going to be just one, you know, one yeah, method that rules, be. that rules them all. I, 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 highly I mean, this statement that. might go in the museum as the greatest wrong prediction of early carbon removal. <laughs> when the That's one right. technology <laughs> right well yeah the what was the the ibm executives uh statement in like the 50s or something that yeah i think there's space for like a thousand computers in the whole world ever um you know it you know look we we, we don't know i mean 100 years ago there were i mean 100 100 years ago there were like dozens and dozens and dozens of automotive companies and now in, at least in detroit there's the big three there's uh, there's major asian uh, and European manufacturers, and you know, and now Tesla grew up. Uh, also, like a hundred years ago, Charles Lindbergh hadn't even flown over the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, actually, I looked this up the other day. Apparently, like, get this: like sliced bread didn't even happen until like 1928 or 1930. So, you know, when people say it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, maybe sliced bread hasn't been developed yet. Yeah, or it's, uh, in a hundred years, that's the that's the most important invention that we've had in hundred years. Right, right. That seems right. like a great ironic overstatement. Yeah, <laughs> not like, but like sitting here now, like, what would be the most important? I think the stock photo of Dak that's going in. Oh yeah, the, uh, the the Hinway, you know, shiny Dak plant on a on a on a on a on a on a, on a hill. Yeah, that, that's. Yeah, that's like that's our reserve joke. There's the South Park when they can't come up with ideas. They're like, we've always got crab people. We can always go to the crab people. That's that's like our DAC image. Like, we always got the DAC crab image. People. Just throw it in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Else, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is it, it, actually from a public relations standpoint. I mean, you know, CDR. If you want to talk nomenclature, you know, I like I, just about every week I'm on a call when people equate CDR with direct air capture only. And look, this is not to diss on direct air capture in any way, shape, or form, or Climeworks has achieved in yeah. any way, shape, or form, because we love what Climeworks is doing. We love what the direct air capture, uh, uh, you know, segment of carbon removal is doing. But oftentimes, in the in the in you know, for people who are newer to carbon removal, they equate well, carbon removal is just direct air capture. No, <laughs> it's a lot more than that. And it's our job to better educate. So what goes in the museum? Yeah, what goes in the museum? Mm. You're like you're like a professional dodger of my questions. I'm asking you about your relationship oh. with your parents, what goes in the museum, talking about yeah, what, what goes in the museum. Sure. I mean, how about the you know, you know, first air miners event recording? How about or from the from the first air miners he, conference? Who's even in there? There's probably like like just out of your cohorts, the number of people there who are going to be like very rich, powerful, uh, influential people five, ten years from now, probably pretty high. Oh, in there from our first conference, first conference, or just like your ongoing events though. Like there there are future like world changers in there, like almost the launch pad teams. Yeah. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. I mean, uh. I'd like to, I'd like to think so. Crossing fingers, uh, you know. You, you, you know. I mean, one one never knows. I mean, that's the and that's the beauty of being at an at an, at an early stage, being able to help people out in a way as, as being kind of the gatekeeper that you love, that uh, you know to have an influence that carries forward and giving people a leg up at the start. What if we put you in there? Like we did you like uh, Lenin being preserved where people could visit his body what if we suck you in there well i'm a capitalist so so no 
but um, are there any capitalists who have done that i guess mao and lenin are the only people who have been embalmed for public except maybe saints i guess are you a saint you feel saintly oh goodness no no you don't want um, your bones in the relic yeah. you don't want yeah, to be- yeah 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 no, no no like you go to hungary and they've got the like the hand of saint stephen that they that they that they cut off and is on display because like saint stephen is i think the patron saint of hungary or something like that uh no i i would not want for that uh podcast got weird what do you what do you think siobhan what should go in the time capsule or into the museum going off the rails here i think it would be interesting to have a museum (laughs) for carbon removal because something we struggle with in the industry is the lack of like visual tangible Hmm. museum quality items right like we we struggle with that i think as an industry in doing this very tangible service it's physically being done and it's very like the mechanics of it are very yeah. real but yeah the I, end product is so ephemeral yeah and i think that's one of the things one of the reasons why uh you know we need something more you know why we need something more tangible that you know like like a like the first pyro it would be tough to get the first pyrolyzer out there uh, or you know because Stuff it in. <laughs> yeah, because biochar has been around for just so darn long. Uh, I think something that you know, you know so, something from you know, oh I know what would what, what, what would be good like your very first Nori podcast. I was just this is all just bait for praise, and I'm glad you took <laughs> it. Thank you. I accept. <laughs> it would just be Ross's voice droning on at the museum. I think it was Ross. I, I, I think I think it was Ross and Paul in their very first podcast, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think Christoph was. I think I think all of the people we did our first uh, hackathon with that we came out of. So right. Several like co-founders who weren't and like decided to go a different direction, but right. Yeah. Oh, right, I couldn't right, go back right. and listen to that. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like first, e- you know, maybe first email we we sent out for the our, our very first uh, for our very first conference. Um, you know, something, something from something from each of the different, um, e- each of the different methods, like something from a DAC plant, something from a biochar, something from ocean, something from ocean alkalinity stuff, something from, uh, you know, so, so something from uh, like a rock. What's that? Yeah, yeah. enhanced rock weathering. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly, 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 exactly. Um, something for you know so, so olivine from project vesta would be would, would be interesting one of the I first think. things i saw was touring klaus lackner's research lab and his moisture swing that could be fun that's pretty early oh yeah well klaus i mean look the open air collective makes t-shirts with klaus on him so are they are they sainted does he have does he have the halo behind him i don't i don't know uh, you'd have you have to ask the open air collective folks, but Saint, uh, but Saint yeah, but, patron saint of carbon removers. We that's what we need, I think. We need our own, okay. Yeah, I'm also thinking, of okay, it's going off the rails yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, James, we to... always Ross always tells me that we should end the podcast one question before the stupidest question we have. I, I have not yet, there are no stupid questions, there are no stupid questions. Well, there are no stupid questions, so in theory, we could go on forever. We could go on forever. We could. I would love to talk to you forever, Jason. It's just such oh. an enjoyable conversation. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. No, I, I enjoy being on with, with you both and uh, hope this was helpful to other people in car removal. I, again, uh, final reminder um, that we'd love to hear more from you if you're in the community or if you're, if you're not in the community. Feel free to contact me at uh, jason at airminers.org.
always the biggest uh, promoter or, or one of them for air miners. You should do boot up. It's it's really great. I, I would probably like to just go back through and do it because I feel like there's stuff that I've forgotten over time or lost sight of, or there's just so much new information. Or that's changed. Yeah. I feel like by the time, I didn't even do, I did boot up when it was just like a list of articles that John Sanchez had put together, like before yeah. it actually became boot up. those days too. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm like, I actually never got to go through boot up and chat yeah. with people and so i'm like maybe i should do it just to like you know yeah yeah, yeah and look it's a constantly evolving process as well i mean look we're, we're, we're never done we're always, we're always iterating on ways to make boot up better we're always iterating to make uh, our other programs better and to even that that find new programs and you know i am just really you know grateful to have had some small part in you know what uh, i hope is going to be world changing so Thank you so. all for, and then thank you to everyone in the community for, for everything you do every single day. Really appreciate it. Be sure to check out boot up if you haven't and air miners launch pad, if you're ready to go through an accelerator with your carbon. August remote. 11th deadline August 11th. coming up. Sneaking up on you. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for being here. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. If you could please subscribe and give us a great rating and review on Apple podcasts or a rating on Spotify, that'd be much appreciated. It helps us get our content out to more people. You can sign up for our newsletter at nori.com, follow us on social media, and we will catch you next time.